Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right, let's move on. Lots to talk about still within the city. The Hamilton Police Service have said they are going to hold off on running a pilot project for body cameras for now, but some say that it is just a matter of time. To talk more about all of this, Chad Collins is with us. City Councilor Ward 5, he's with us now. Chad, thanks for the time. Hope you're doing well. All good, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Uh, before we get to uh, the Hamilton Police Services and the body cams and such, i uh, got to ask you your thoughts on uh, how the conversation shifted yesterday in regard to LRT. What's the buzz around council uh, once you heard what you heard coming from the Premier? Well, I think in light of the cost estimates that have been bandied about and whether you take the government or those that are even still advocating for the project, whether you, either figure you use, it's it's, it's way over the original cost estimate. And, you know, we were quite clear from the beginning that the municipality is, is not paying for anything, whether it be capital or operating. This was always a design, build, and operate model. So it ceases to, to amaze me that there are still people in the community who believe that this is a possibility, especially in light of today's climate um, as it relates to the pandemic and, you know, the, the, sh- the sure recession that we're going through right now and probably will struggle with over the next couple of years. So, you know, from those, from my colleagues, at least around the table, uh, I, I believe that the majority of council, it, it might be a slim majority, but I, I believe the majority of council are opposed to it. And, and I'd be very surprised, even if the, the federal government uh, came to the table with any kind of resources, that um, there's any desire to, to donate a dime from council to the project, whether it be operating or capital. It's just, it's not affordable. It's not on our books. It was never anticipated. And so it, um, this project just seems to have nine lives, put it that way, Scott. Boy, does it ever. Uh, your thoughts, though, on being a post-pandemic, different world now, looking for mm-hmm. infrastructure projects. Uh, mm-hmm. This one almost shovel-ready now. I don't think you'd say it's still shovel-ready, but pretty close to it. And then uh, private partnership through Leuna and possibly the feds. Uh, do you see looking at it through a different lens at all? No, I still think at the end of the day, someone's going to ask the city for something, and they're asking for resources that we don't yeah. have. We do have an infrastructure deficit. Uh, the tra- transit system is is not part of that infrastructure deficit. So I'd I'd certainly welcome a stimulus package from the feds and the province. I'd, I'm almost certain that when an election's called, and and as is the case, uh, you know, usually when an election's called, they they start announcing projects and and funds and and things for municipalities and in particular certain ridings. So what I would anticipate and what I would hope for is that. If there is a, a stimulus package on the horizon, that it actually addresses some of the city's shortfalls that we've had on our books for some time. And, you know, pick a facility. Uh, you know, um, First Ontario Centre has been in the news. I, I know we're looking at a partnership right now with the private sector. But I use that as an example of an aging facility that needs some work. And if federal and provincial funds are made available, you know, we would look to our libraries, our rec centres, our roads, our bridges. Those are sort of the basics as it relates to municipal services. And those are, I believe, for my constituents and for my council colleagues, at the top of the list, not something that is an enhanced new project where there's unknown costs associated with the operating. So you don't think that any of this new discussion has legs moving forward? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. And I, and I, I, the city has no capacity to take on debt. So, it, you know, I understand that some have mentioned that the city could borrow money from the private sector. Well, it's pretty hard to beat the interest rates that the city can get. So from a borrowing capacity, we're, we're in position to do that on our own. Our issue is debt, and we're, we're not interested in taking on debt. It's much like a credit card. You have to pay for the principal and the interest. 
And there's a big price tag attached to that as it relates to the LRT. So we're, I understand that some will, will, will do anything at this point to keep it alive. Um, you know, if we're in the two to three billion range for just its capital costs, uh, why would we sink an opportunity for resources like that from other levels of government into something that, again, isn't part of our infrastructure deficit at this point in time? So, I, you know, those discussions will happen, I think, Scott, at a later date. Um, uh, we're get, still getting mixed messages from the province one week. It doesn't look like they're supporting it. The next week, it looks like they're supporting it. And there's this big question mark in terms of where the federal government's at. And I know that, I know our own personal financial situation as it relates to the pandemic. I can't imagine what the books like for the, look like for the federal government and the province. So I'd be surprised, you know, if, if all the funds were made available in light of the cost, es- the cost escalation that has been, uh, you know, publicly advertised. Chad Collins is with us, City Councilor Ward 5. Chad, let's talk about uh, body cameras. Has this discussion changed, body cameras being worn by Hamilton Police Service or even any other police service since uh, the death of George Floyd? How has this discussion changed? Well, we look at it in a Canadian context, and we're, you know, I, I understand there's a lot going on south of the border, and that's where we've seen you know, the nonsense related to defund the police. And we certainly, you know, we've received emails and we had that discussion yesterday. And, of course, uh, body-worn cameras, as was noted in the report, um, you know, there's a contingent out there that would like to see Hamilton police and other police services across the country wear them. Um, there is another uh, portion of our of our constituency who are part of the defund the police movement who say, look, we're, we're trying to get less resources for police, not more. So they're opposed to them. And then I think there's a lot of people out there who just don't have an opinion. It's not something that I regularly receive calls or emails from my constituents about in terms of it being a priority. But it certainly is a topic of conversation. So we, we've studied it now for a number of years, and we're waiting for other examples. And there are very limited, very few police services in Canada. It's certainly common in the United States. But in Canada, um, there are a few examples to date to glean information from in terms of you know, the positive aspects and, and some of the pitfalls. I, I think the overriding concern, Scott, has been cost. And so, I, I, you know, I said yesterday at the board meeting, I think it's inevitable for body-worn cameras to be uh, with all police services at some point in time. We, we see, you know, we're being taped every almost minute of our life when we're out in public. Yeah. Whether you're in the grocery store or whether you're, you're at the bank or whether you're on public transit now, we have cameras for the safety and security of our transit operators. And Every person has a, you know, a smartphone in their pocket ready to shoot something if it's, if it's happening. So I, I don't buy the, um, the privacy issues. It's, we're, we're, we're about a decade or two past that now. Uh, but I do think the affordability issue is, is something that is concerning for us. And you know, we have to be cognizant of the fact that only so many things can be funded in a calendar year through our capital budget. And back to the last conversation, the, the financial landscape has changed for everyone, and the city's not immune to you know, some of those economic um, issues that everyone's facing. And we don't have this in our capital budget. Next year, we're required by law, all police forces, uh, services, sorry, are required to update their 9-11 systems. That's going to cost us $2 million. We've long planned for a new police station in Waterdown, and that's on our books. And so, you know, from a, from a, a priority perspective, body-worn cameras aren't at the top of the list as it relates to the police's capital needs. But I don't think it's something we want to discount. So we're going to wait and see what happens in Toronto. We'll wait and see what happens with this pending recession. I think we're in one already, technically. And uh, we'll see what our financial situation is 
as we move along. And hopefully, as with all things, um, you know, the technology improves and usually the cost comes down. And so hopefully we can benefit from that as well. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. I remember talking about this uh, a year or so ago, perhaps longer, when studies were going on with other police services and such, and it was decided at that time that, that Hamilton didn't need a pilot project because there were others going on that they could gather information from. Is there any need for uh, a pilot project now? Would the same not apply? Are we not learning from other services that are doing this? Yeah, we could. We certainly could do it without a pilot. I think the recommendation from from the chief and our should we have a pilot, Chad? Sorry, give me that again, do you, Scott. Do you think we do you think we should have a pilot project? Um, I'm indifferent on it. I mean, I, I I think we can probably learn from our neighbors in Toronto or others in the region, whether it be Peel or others, that um, you know what 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 they learned from the system. I I don't know how many service providers there are, Scott, in terms of you know how many systems there are for body worn cameras. So I don't know if one system that's on the, sold privately is the same as some of the others. I don't know if there are differences between those systems. I don't know if there's one consistent, uh, you know, camera company that provides it to everyone. That was one of the questions we had yesterday. There's, you know, the provincial legislation is still pretty gray as it relates to um, holding on to the information, the use of the information, who has access to the information, and so. We've asked as part of our recommendation to ask the province to to weigh in on that and, and make a consistent policy across the province so all police services are de- dealing with the same rules um, with body-worn cameras. So pilot, it's a very small cost. I think it was in the $300,000 range. There were some unknowns as it relates to, again, the retention of some of the, um, the images and the videos. But uh, I think we could probably garner enough from uh, our neighbors to understand whether it's a benefit here in Hamilton or not. The, the dilemma with a pilot is once you're in for the pilot, you're almost locked in to, to rolling it out across the service. And so if you're in for the 300000 which isn't a, a yeah. great amount of money in the grand scheme, you're basically locking yourself into the $5 million afterwards, it, if, if I look at what other police services have done across Canada. So you bring up a good point here, Chad. Is this something that should be decided by individual services or police boards or such, or is this sh- something that should be done at a higher level? Is this something that provincially or federally should be mandated? Yeah, and I, I, that's something that I, I raised yesterday, and I likened it, and I know they're two completely different subject matters, but if you recall, Scott, the the whole smoking bylaw debate that we had in the province when the McGinty government was around, and municipalities were calling on the province to say, look, it'd just be a whole lot easier for everyone if there was a province-wide strategy related to no smoking in public places and private establishments. And what happened is the government didn't act. Municipalities went ahead and made their own local um, policies and bylaws up, and we implemented them. And if you went to a restaurant in Burlington, you had a different kind of bylaw than you did if you were visiting Lock Street um, in Hamilton. And, and what eventually happened was almost all large urban municipalities implemented a smoking bylaw. And the province at the 11th hour, after all the dust had settled, because there was definitely controversy with that, the province weighed in and, and, and came through with a province-wide bylaw when many of us had had it for years. And so I, I liken that to, I think there's benefits for us to have a province-wide policy on it. Right now, they've shied away from it. They've advised um, police services that they're not on for implementing it with the OPP. And that's from a service delivery perspective, that's their own uh, choice. 
But I think from a legislation, as it relates to rules and regulations, there should be one consistent policy across the province. And nothing if, prevents them from, from weighing in on that issue. I understand, though, that they've been completely preoccupied with more important things. So I don't yeah, fault them yeah. for that. I just think it's something that should be on the radar. Plus, don't you think, Chad, once they commit to that, they also commit themselves to dollars towards it, no? Yeah, and, and traditionally the province does provide grants for municipalities. Uh, CC, uh, CCTV cameras were on our agenda yesterday as it relates to provincial grants that have been made available. We've asked them, as part of yesterday's recommendation, that they consider making grants available to municipalities for either a pilot project um, in, with the service or the full implementation of cameras. They, they are partners in the police business, so we have to follow a provincial act as it relates to operations, but they're also a funding partner. And I think it's important for them to, you know, just as I said yesterday, it's, it's inevitable that all municipalities are going to get there. If we look at what's going on in the United States and how their jurisdictions have utilized cameras, it's commonplace. And Scott, if you look to the United States model, many states and the federal government pay for those systems. They don't, uh, they don't rely on the municipal jurisdictions to pay for whether it's the cameras in the cars with the dash cams or whether it's uh, body worn cameras with officers. So I think it's not, there's examples, um, you know, clearly across North America where the province should be a partner rather than a, disinter- a disinterested party, if you want to call them that at this point. Does it make us look bad that we're sort of the only ones that don't have this, considering it is where it is everywhere else? Or is it, again, apples to oranges here? Well, if we're talking about the United States, it is apples to oranges because we have two yeah. completely different policing um, service delivery models. There they have elected representatives in many jurisdictions with sheriffs being elected and, and other things that are completely different than our own here. It's, of course, our system is very non-political. There's clear separation between governance and politics and the service itself, and that's the way it should be. That's the way the Act is written here in Ontario. Um, and and I think if you were to look at Canadian examples, which is an apples-to-apples comparison, um, we're, it, it's still early days for body-worn cameras. There, as the report you know noted yesterday... There are very few examples in Canada right now to, um, you know, to, to look at the systems that have been implemented. And, and I think the public is still split, as the report mentioned. There's a lot of people saying, is there really a need for that kind of expenditure and that kind of a service with, uh, with police services, whether it be here in Hamilton or elsewhere across the country? Chad, are we asking the police to do too much? I mean, you know, uh, prior to defunding the police, it was they need more training for mental health. They need more yep. training for cybersecurity. They need more training for to spot terrorist activity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here we are talking about body cameras, which is obviously another massive expense. And then yep. uh, all of a sudden it's, it seems the same that we're, that we're saying all that are now saying cut them off, defund the police. So uh, are we asking them to do too much here? Well, they've always been expected to, to help during a time of need. And, you know, when you're calling 911, traditionally, it's the police people are calling for when you look at the volume of calls. And, um, you know, we expect so much of them. They think about the services that they provide when they show up at a call. They're, many times they're expected to be um, medics during emergency situations. They're marriage counselors when they show up for a domestic dispute. Yeah. They're mental health uh, workers when they're showing up for someone who's distressed on the street and may have mental health issues. And they're also social service workers when they show up with someone who's just in a terrible situation. They're not just, you know, the, the stereotypical show up at a bar fight on a Saturday night from the 1960s kind of thing. It's Today's policing is such so much more complex than it was many years ago. And we do expect a lot. And to be clear, and I mentioned this yesterday, Scott, at our meeting, they are trained for those 
circumstances and, and those interactions with the public. The, the training they receive is constant. And I think what we emphasized yesterday is that they need to be, they need more resources to deal with these complex situations. And we don't just call for the police now. The police are showing up at calls and responding to service calls with mental health workers beside them. So civilians who are skilled and trained at dealing with people with mental health issues, they're showing up with, um, in some cases, social service workers where someone may have a housing issue and, and the call is, uh, is someone who's on the street and may need some guidance to a shelter or into a, into a home setting. And so they're, they're working in partnership with hospitals. They're working in partnership with social service workers. And I think it shows how complex those systems that we have are so complex um, that I, I think you're right. I think we do ask a lot, and I think the expectations are that uh, everything's going to go smoothly when they show up with these very complex situations. And unfortunately, that's, that's not always the case. And so I think more resources into training, de-escalation tactics in terms of what's the most modern uh, ways and means in which to deal with someone who has mental health issues or substance abuse issues. Those are That's the path we need to go along. We shouldn't be penalizing the police because they have a tough job. We should be giving them more resources to ensure that when they do show up at a call, they know what they know what to do and and they've been trained to to properly deal with it well said chad collins is with us city councilor ward five talking about hamilton police service uh going to hold off on running a pilot uh, project for body cameras for now chad thanks for the time much appreciated be well have a great weekend you too scott take care the scott thompson show weekdays from noon to three on 900 chml